Hi there, it's really great to be with you this morning and to be able to, um, yeah, just spend time together, worship together, hear God's word together um, and chat and pray together. Just by way of introduction, my name is Jo Sutton and um, I'm part of the leadership team here at Grace Vineyard. As we've been going through over the last few months, we've been looking at the book of Acts and we've been learning about how the early church um, did the things that Jesus did um, and more and saw the kingdom of heaven spread and thousands added to their number. We've also been learning about spiritual practices and formation and discipline of things that we can do to help deepen our relationship with our Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Over August, as Mark said last week, we're looking um, at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to learn how to live lives like those of the early church, which are truly following Jesus. And last week, Mark looked at Matthew chapter 5, where he unpacked what it meant to be salt and light. And today we're in chapter 6. In this chapter, we hear from Jesus about some of the spiritual disciplines and practices that have become a source of pride and were used by the Pharisees to show off their religious importance. Instead, Jesus wants to show us what really is important to our Father. And so today, as we hear Jesus's words, can I encourage you to open up your heart to what he wants to say to you this morning? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to hear your word. Lord, wherever we are in our living rooms, our kitchens, our bedrooms, I thank you that you are with us by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would bring life to the words that I'm going to say now. Lord, would you impact our hearts? Would we not leave this morning being the same um, as we came, but would you encourage us, build us up and make us more and more like Christ? Thank you, Father. Yeah. There's so much that can be pulled out of this chapter, but the overriding message I felt God wanted me to share with you this morning is that of the importance of a personal relationship with him, of investing into and cultivating it in the right have you ever tried to grow a friendship with someone, maybe a work colleague, someone you've been introduced to by another friend who you potentially have lots in common with, or maybe your spouse? It requires effort, commitment and vulnerability. Deep friendship and trust doesn't just happen without us investing into it. Now, many of you know that Mike and I met online. How might our relationship have developed or rather not developed if when I first met Mike, I'd made a big song and dance about giving in front of him to someone who was homeless and begging, but I hid the fact that most of my money was spent on clothes and makeup and nothing else in my life reflected a genuine care for people who find themselves homeless. What if I only spoke to him when others were around to hear our conversation and didn't have moments of intimacy on our own where we would share our hearts and our fears, our dreams with one another? What if I acted in a way with Mike that pleased my friends, but didn't really top up his tank with a feeling of being loved by the things that speak to his love language and make him feel valued, like small, unseen acts of service? That's just a little bit like what Jesus is saying in this chapter. 
You can do and say things that look good to others on the outside. But our Father doesn't want surface level religious activities. He wants a heartfelt relationship with us. As God says to Samuel while he's looking for God's anointed king in the Old Testament, while man looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks on the heart. It's clear to me that from this passage in Matthew 6 that Jesus is ushering in, as Mike so often tells us, an upside down kingdom. If there's one question I want you to go away with today to pray into and reflect upon, it's this. Am I keeping up an appearance of religious self-righteousness or am I genuinely cultivating and investing into a deep relationship with Jesus? In this chapter of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus focuses on some of the spiritual disciplines that help to cultivate this deeper heart level relationship with our Heavenly Father. And spiritual disciplines start with intentional action and begin to form habits that form a way of life and heavenly rewards as we build deeper relationships with Jesus and a life of abundance and blessing. The spiritual practices noted in this chapter include giving, praying, fasting, storing up the right kind of treasure, looking at the right kind of things, serving the right kind of master, and then trusting in our Heavenly Father. As we read the first three sections on giving, praying and fasting, I want you to see what God desires and the way he responds to it. I'm going to skip over verses 9 to 14 on the Lord's Prayer because Mark did a really excellent preach on this last year. So giving to the needy, this is what Jesus says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We see in other parts of the New Testament that we are not called to give so that we get back or to earn favour with God. Instead, our choice to give and the amount we give should not be shared with others. We should not expect special privilege or rewards as a result. Our giving should be between us and God. He not only sees the things done in secret, but he knows the motivations of our hearts. It's not about how much we give to those in need, but that we give with a willing and a generous heart. Jesus goes on to say, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The importance of praying in this way means we are not simply reeling off a list of things we want or using convoluted words and phrases to make us sound more holy than we are. 
By taking ourselves away quietly with Jesus, our Father and the Holy Spirit, we get to give ourselves to him, to learn to hear his voice, and in turn for our minds to be renewed, so that we will be able to discern what God's will is. We can then pray in line with his will and know that he sees us, knows us, and hears us. We see Jesus model this behaviour time and again in the Gospels, where he gets up early and goes out on his own to a quiet place and spends time in prayer with his Father, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you fast, Jesus says, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. As with giving, fasting is something that is between us and God. There are occasions where a corporate fast is called, but in general, it is personal between us and God. We are not called to show off when we fast or guilt others into doing it or gain extra holy points from our church family. It is a time of repentance and of seeking the Lord with all our hearts. Can you see the pattern in these passages? If we act in a way which is designed to show how religious we are to other people, God will not reward that. However, if we act in secret in a personal way with him that only he sees, Motivated by a desire to humble ourselves before him and to know him more, he will reward us. God's not concerned about our outward actions seen by others. He's much more interested in the health of our heart, our thoughts, our feelings and our will. And just in case you were in any doubt, the next section makes it really clear as to what these two different types of reward are, earthly treasures and kingdom treasures. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, says Jesus, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Storing up treasure in heaven means investing in God's kingdom value system and kingdom economics. It means sacrificial and generous giving to others, not just generous in amount, but generous in heart, being willing to give all you have for the kingdom. Where in this upside down kingdom we invest by giving and not by buying. It means investing in our relationship with him, in doing the things that Jesus did and seeking his kingdom. And as we do so, we will find our heart and our joy is in those things too. We will find our relationship with Jesus deepen and strengthen. Jesus goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's saying that what we spend our time looking at is important. It impacts our whole beings. If we look at things which are violent, violent thoughts can be developed. If we look at things which are sexual in nature, 
they can take over our thoughts and even our actions. If our attention is taken up by seeking material and personal gain, our bodies won't reflect the light of Jesus in the way that they're intended to. If we look at things which reflect the fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control, faithfulness, our lives will tend to reflect these things too. The question Jesus is asking here is through our eyes, are we letting in light and truth? And Jesus said he is the light of the world. Or are we letting our eyes um, take in other thoughts and perspectives which could cloud and darken our vision of the kingdom? The footnotes in my NIV Bible say that healthy here implies generous and unhealthy implies stingy. When we read Jesus's teaching on the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20, when the workers all agree to work for the same amount, no matter how many hours they've worked. When those who've worked all day start to complain to the master, we see this point even clearer. In the footnotes to verse 15 in my ESV Bible, I see that the phrase, do you, do you begrudge my generosity, is literally, is your eye evil or bad because I am generous or good? As Philip Greenslade explains in his book, Voice from the Hills, in other words, a bad eye represents a mean and stingy spirit and a good eye means a generous attitude. Therefore, a healthy eye is one belonging to someone who is generous in their compassion and grace for others. In other words, in the way they sacrificially give for the benefit of others and not for their own gain. Investing in God's economy and not in ourselves, our bank balance or our retirement fund, which are not bad in and of themselves, but should not be the driver for our actions as followers of Jesus. And these actions are usually to serve someone or something, perhaps ourselves, perhaps those around us, perhaps God. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian in the 1940s said, our hearts have only room for one all-embracing devotion and we can only cleave to one Lord. Is your hope pinned on making the next grade at work or expectation that by having extra amount of money, all your worries will go away? Are you trusting in the perfection of your spouse or your health? I think the last few months have shown us that these things are all left wanting. Or are you driven instead to put your hope and trust in Jesus by seeking the kingdom of God before all other things? If so, Jesus tells us our heavenly dad will reward us, will give us the things that we need. Not necessarily the things we want, but the things we need. He'll reward us for eternity. And we don't have to worry, he will take care of it if we seek him first and not money or status or health. Therefore, I tell you, says Jesus, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. 
and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field that is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The use of the word, therefore, at the beginning of this section highlights the fact that we need to relate what's been said here to what's been said before. So, because we are choosing to build a personal and an intimate relationship with the Father, to serve God and look at the right things and store up the right kind of treasure, we are seeking first the kingdom of God and don't need to worry. Don't need to be anxious in a way that impacts our own well-being and undermines our faith in God. This kind of worry stems from putting our security in the wrong things, of giving our heart affections to the wrong things, of having a skewed vision of the reality of the kingdom, basically of putting other things before God, of not trusting him. So in summary, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we invest in his kingdom, not our empire. We make time to speak to and to listen to him, to have communion with him. We don't seek attention for our righteous acts, but rather seek his glory in all that we do. We seek affirmation, not from our friends or congregation, but from the one who loves us, created us and knows us more deeply than anybody else. Who gave his own son so that we might have fullness of life. And we fix our eyes on the things of God. And we prioritise him over all other things. And we choose to live in the present and live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. As we spend time deepening our relationship with Jesus, our focus lifts off our circumstances and onto him and the kingdom. As that happens, we move out of the secret place and into the world, taking with us the kingdom of God and being his ambassador and witnesses to the world around us. We are all called to do this, not just church leaders or missionaries, but each and every disciple of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I thank you for calling us to a deeper relationship with you, of seeking you first, of spending time in your presence so that we might be witnesses to others. Lord, help us to prioritise you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, empower us. And help us to make the right decisions in how we want to spend our time and prioritise you. Lord, would our lives bring glory to you? 
and not to ourselves. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you all.